Anyway, my name is, good morning, my name is Yumiko Nakagawa. I'm one of the pastors here at Wellspring. And before I begin, before I get to show you what I brought today, I have two updates. Uh, first one, Pastor Rebecca mentioned a little bit, but I don't know if you remember, a couple months ago, I got up in front of you and said, I shared a little bit about a project called Listening Project. Uh, as pastor of the Kingdom Connections, one of my well, actually, my primary focus is to figure out how do we best connect the people outside the church walls. And listening project was a very experimental and very small step to figure out how to do that. And five of us participate in this project. We each selected somebody in our lives that we want to connect better. So we pray for them. We spend the uh, last few months really trying to listen to them and got together and share about that. And as a someone who led the project, there are a lot of things I could have done better. For example, I think I could have explained what exactly the listening project was to all of you, including the participants, because everybody's confused, but they still went along with it. They're such a good sport, so I appreciate that. Uh, but regardless of my kind of lack of preparedness, thanks to your prayers and your encouragement and your uh, presence and participation, I had a privilege of witnessing the power of Holy Spirit um, through this project. And I hope I, I will get to share more down the line. But one thing I like to highlight is how much, um, how impressed I am about the power of listening and asking uh, the powerful question. So with that, uh, as Pastor Rebecca mentioned, I am in conversation with the rest of pastoral staff and some of the people in our Wellspring Ohana to figure out, okay, what can we do? How can we incorporate the listening training? How do we improve our listening skills and how we best ask a really powerful question to take the conversation deeper and more meaningful? So we're planning something, and my hope is to having this listening training and the practices to be a part of our discipleship and part of Be Well ministry that Pastor Cheryl leads in our outreach as well. So more to come. Stay tuned. I kind of feel like I confused even more people. That's okay. Someday things will be cleared, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, the second update is about our new sermon series. Pastor Cheryl started last week at, okay, I gotta remember this, at the table sermon series. Uh, and for the next 11 Sundays throughout this series, uh, we will just be on a one series until up until Advent. But one thing I want to highlight is one of the things we're gonna do in this sermon series is that we are going to read the entire Old Testament. From now, till the end of, um, I think, Thanksgiving time, right before the Advent, that's what we're going to do. And I don't know if that sound was excitement or <laughs> not really. <laughs> I'm not going to dwell on that. <laughs> but there are, you know, obviously there are a lot of pages and there are a lot of books in Old Testament. And I know we can't go through every, every single thing on Sundays, but we will try hit the benchmarks in Old Testament. So, for those who just made excitement noise, you can read along 
on your own or, or with your small group or the rest of the Old Testament, kind of fill in the gap between. And if you need a guide or some sort of like study guide or material to do, maybe even read together in your small group, please contact me. I have a, a resource I would love to share with you. But today, uh, we're not reading whole book of books of the Old Testament. We're just going to start this series, continue this series by reading Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Thank you. Thank you. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Right? And then God said, let there be light. And there was a light. Okay. I hope there will was a light. There you go. And then God went on making the seas and the land and vegetations. Oh, the other. Let's see if this works. <laughs> vegetations. It was really hard to let it stand, so Jarrett was helping me. So there was a vegetation, and there was the sun and the moon and the stars, which I don't have a props for, but you know what that looks like. <laughs> then God made animals and other living creatures. I know they live in China, but hey, there was animals. <laughs> and there was other kinds of animals. Yeah, the monkey, that's right, Austin. And then, ta-da. So they're all happy. Hey, God. <laughs> Turtle, that's right. And then finally, God made humans, right? Oh, sorry, there's not enough room, but works out well here. I'm sure the actual creation went much smoother. <laughs> much more beautifully, this is a feeble recreation. See, so God made man and a woman in the image of God, right? That's what we have right here with us. And then God said, it was very good. It's very good. That's the creation. But then something happened. And in Genesis 3, verse 1 to 7, tell us what happened. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals and the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? 
Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in a garden. It's only the fruit from the、uh, tree from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. <sighs> you won't die. That's what the serpent said, right? And God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing the good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that a tree was beautiful, and the, its fruits looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit. And ate it. Then she gave some of, some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That's what happened after the creation. There are lots to unpack in these seven verses that I just read, but for this morning, I will not interpret these passages except to point out what the Bible tells us here is that there is something momentous happened. What happened here is momentous, is significant thing. What happened here changed things fundamentally. Oh, sorry. That's not me. <laughs> sure, the sound. I don't know if the sound was a part of the fall. <laughs> But oh, I cannot stand here if I put it. Adam, you stay there. What happened here changed things fundamentally. The serpent asking that question that he did, or it did, Eve's conversation with the serpent, and Eve and Adam eating the fruits changed the relationship between God and the creation. It changed the relationship、uh, between God and humanity, and it changed the relationship between the humanity. That all of us with the creation, and it changed the nature of humans, ourselves. It altered Adam and Eve and the rest of the creation. Adam and Eve were made different because of what happened, and this. Oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm trying to remember not to bend. Sorry, and this, this. Sorry, I'm supposed to pick this. And this tells us how they were made different now. As a result of what happened, one of the things changed for Adam and Eve was that they became ashamed of who they were now. 
before all this happened, they could go about the day, they could come before God as they were, not thinking anything. But not anymore. So they put together a makeshift covering with the leaves and hid what they were ashamed of themselves. And it's not just Adam and Eve who does that, isn't it? Isn't that something we sometimes do? Hide our shame and our embarrassment? I mean, I do. This is a little silly example, but as some of you may have noticed, I recently started to color my hair. I said it's a silly, <laughs> but that's because I wanted to cover my white hair. I look around, some of you wear your white hair proudly or whatever the change, I don't. I am very, uh, I know it's unreasonable, I know it's vain of me, but I am embarrassed to show that I am aging like everybody else. <laughs> So I wanted to, I colored my hair to cover my white hair um, so that people won't see that I am getting old. Again, it's silly, but this is one example of how we cover ourselves with our own fig leaves. What about you? Have you ever covered yourself with the fig leaves? Maybe you have mistakes and failures in the past or struggles that you're having right now that you don't want people to see, that you're embarrassed about, you're ashamed of. So when we feel ashamed, what do we do? We oftentimes, we, when we feel ashamed, we try to cover ourselves with what we put together like Adam and Eve did. And just like them, perhaps some of us cover our shame with our own achievement or our possessions, or even under our smiles, so that no one would see what's underneath of our makeshift fig leaves, leaves covering. See, when Adam and Eve showed up before God with this makeshift covering of the leaves, they were hoping God would not see what's underneath of these fig leaves. But of course, of course, God sees that. God sees everything through. God sees why they put it to put that on. How did this came about? God sees and even underneath what's underneath the fig leaves. God sees Adam and Eve. God sees Adam and Eve. God created with his, God, God's own words, own breath. God sees Adam and Eve whom God loved so deeply. So God didn't let Adam and Eve leave the garden uh, covered with the fig leaves, which was a symbol of their shame. Instead, God covered them with the animal skin, God's sign of love, an act of God's love. As I say, what Adam and Eve had was this, the leaves, what they put together with their own hands. But instead, what God gave is this.
this. Obviously, it's not an animal skin, as you can see. <laughs> but yes, this is not an animal skin. But this is actually uh, what I wore on my wedding day. As you can see, the one on the right is me. <laughs> so just like any uh, many Japanese women does,、uh, I wore a white bridal kimono, which is what you see in there. But this is what I wore, and it's in purple, but it used to be white. Just like many other Japanese brides do, we have done for so many years. After the wedding, I had them one of those、um, one of the kimono, unsaw all of them. Have them dye in a different color, in this color, and sew it back together so that I could wear it on different occasion, or I guess use it as a sermon prop. That's not, <laughs> I don't think、uh, I don't think many Japanese brides with、uh, married wife does that. But anyway,、uh, so this is actually a less practiced tradition now, but for many many generations, this was a very common practice because you know it's. It's kind of waste, and not so many people could afford to make a cloth or a garment just for one occasion. That's just you know waste. So they don't do that. So it was a practical thing, but not only was a practical tradition, I think it had some、uh, very meaningful value to it. And this is again long, long years ago, and it doesn't apply to my own marriage. But once they married. It used to be that women women were considered dead to their own family of origin. They're not allowed to go back to their parents, even just for brief visit to say hello or how they're doing. And that was before the phones. And most of the women were illiterate, so basically, once you're married, you just are disconnected from the family of origin. And that's because you're considered now you are part of your husband's family. But the sad part is,、um, oftentimes they were considered outsiders forever by their husband's family as well. So they often just sum it up, and for many reasons, they often lived a very hard and alienated life as a married woman, surrounded by people who were not related to her by blood, and used that was the reason why they mistreated her oftentimes. As a married woman, their lives were harsh, and often lonely. No place to go back, no place to feel at home. In those long, difficult years, when these women, when the when a woman put kimono that she made out of the wedding garment, it perhaps reminded of her,、uh, reminded her of her family. It reminded her. Of her parents, who made this kimono for her special day, reminded her of the days that she spent with her parents. It reminded her the love and the care she received as a daughter of the family. Back then, the kimono in those women for those situations, that kimono served as a connection with her family, with the people who loved. And cared for her, and I wonder if that was the animal skin for Adam and Eve too. God made a garment with the animal skin for them, and then if you think about it, I think that back then this concept of clothes, 
tunic, garment, and there's so many different translations of this word, but the idea of something to wear to cover yourself, that probably was non-existent, right? Because before Adam and Eve became ashamed of themselves, there was no need to cover anything. They were just fine as they were. But when things changed and Adam and Eve needed, now lives a new life that requires protection, now were to be sent out, they needed to prepare for life outside of the garden. And that's when God created the clothes with animal skin for them. See, God gave this gift of garment not when Adam and Eve proven to be worthy of any kind of gift from God. On the contrary, it was given the moment when they have proven unworthy of receiving anything from God. When Adam and Eve were proven unworthy of the gift, that's when God created the clothes for Adam and Eve with the animal skin. See, the animal skin was put on them because God loved Adam and Eve deeply, regardless of what they have done or who they see themselves as. God's love didn't change. So God created the garment and covered them with it because God loved them so much. So when they left the garden to start this new and difficult life, Adam and Eve was covered by the symbol of God's love, the animal skin lovingly crafted by the hands of God not by the fig leaves covering the sign of shame. So as they toiled and lived a harsher and more complicated and painful lives outside the garden, perhaps this animal skin reminded them of the day God created the garment for them. Perhaps it reminded them of how God placed that and wrapped them with it. And perhaps it reminded them of God's love and the care they had received. For Adam and Eve, the animal skin was the connection with God. And of course, this connection was not just between God and Adam and Eve. The animal skin, Eve and Adam had on their back, eventually was gone. And so were Adam and Eve. But God's love and presence has remained with us, has remained with people for thousands of years. That's right, Audrey. I think so too. In the rest of the series, we will see how God has loved and has been present among the people. How God has been inviting constantly to God's people, to people, all of us, to God's presence, God's table, repeated in so many different ways. That's what we're going to see in this series. And when the series ends, we will enter into the season of Advent, getting ready for Christmas, where we learn about God's presence and love embodied as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The perfect animal skin covers us all. But that's a story for another day, for another preachers to unpack. So for today, I'd like to note that the long story of God and the creation 
all began here in today's passage. It all began with the creation, the fall, and the animal skin. So this morning, let us all walk out here, the space of worship, to continue our worship through our life, but with the confidence and conviction that what covers us is not the leaves that we put together with our own hands to hide underneath. What covers us is a symbol of God's love, God's presence, God's hope, and God's promise.